We'll get in a moment. We're going to read Genesis 1 through 5 again. But, of course, the other night we talked about starting that chronological uh, uh, study on Sunday night. But since we've already uh, covered the first uh, few verses, I want to take a moment. I know I've mentioned this before, but I want to just go over this and uh, zero in tonight uh, uh, since we're at the beginning of these verses and look at the gap theory. Many of you know what that is, but I just want to go over it and make sure people have an understanding uh, about that. And so uh, that'll be the, the, the lesson for tonight. And then uh, on Sunday nights, we'll continue on with the study. But let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Say this, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Let's pray again, please. Lord, again, we thank you for your mercy and grace. Lord, as we look at this thought tonight, Lord, please help us to be faithful students of the Word of God. Lord, we want to rightly divide the Word of God. Lord, what's in the Word of God, we want to proclaim. Lord, where God speaks, we want to speak. But where God is silent, we want to be silent. And this is a good example of that tonight. So, Lord, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just mentioned that in my prayer, and a good rule of thumb when talking about the Bible is, hey, where God speaks, speak, but where he's silent, be silent. And it's amazing how many people, how many things people come up with in areas where God was silent. And I think this is a good example of that, right? Where he doesn't uh, uh, mention this. Maybe some people think they have a few things, but uh, uh, it's, uh, we want to make sure it's clear. So is there anybody that hasn't ever heard, at least heard the term gap theory? Is there anybody that has never heard that term? Everybody's, oh, you, okay. All right, we have two, right here, we have two young people. All right, well, it's time for you to hear it, okay? Right? Now, I know we probably when you're that age, you think the gap theory is, you know, like the, that's why I need braces. Mom, I got a gap theory right there. Right? I want fix that. No, 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 that is not what we're talking about. All right? Now, I got a, I got a, 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 a little bit of this is going to repeat, but I have a couple uh, lessons I want to uh, go over here concerning this with good information. So what is the gap theory? I guess that's the first question, just to make sure we've heard the term. But what is the gap the theory? Well, of course, uh, one of the most uh, popular devices, if you will, for trying to accommodate the, the evolutionary ages. And boy, that's really when the church gets in trouble, when they try to think they have to accommodate the world's way of thinking or they have to, weigh, uh, they have to try and fit in uh, Christianity Christianity, something that's popular in the world, or the world's way of thinking. <laughs> Listen, we're not supposed to think like them, right? The job is to trying to get them to think like us, right? Uh, what's the problem in the world today is, listen, we as Christians are supposed to have a biblical worldview, not just in a way that the uh, biblical view of the way the world should be run, but also a biblical worldview on how the world came about <laughs> and how God did things. That's part of having a biblical worldview, too, also in the creation of the world. So we don't have to, just because somebody came up with some theory, isn't it amazing how in schools they take something that's still called a theory and teach it like it's a solid truth. Then they take something that's a solid truth like the Word of God and teach it like it's somebody's theory. See, right? They get everything backwards. That's why I said, that's why when people came and were straightening everything out, they said, hey, they're turning everything upside down. You see, they, they always get it backwards. 
So let's look at this. So we think we have to accommodate the evolutionary ages of the geologists and astronomers in the creation record of the Bible. And so they try to do that. So they came up with this thing called the gap theory. Some people call it the ruin and reconstruction theory, but gap theory is the most common uh, phrase. But according to this concept in Genesis 1.1, which we just read, describes the initial creation of the universe. Following this, the standard events of cosmic evolution took place, which eventually produced our solar system about five billion years ago. See, when you know, hey, what, what's a few zeros? Come on. I mean, you know, what, why does your zeros matter, right? Three zeros plus three zeros is still zero. So what's the big deal? Why don't we throw a few zeros out there? Well, hey, it matters, right? And being biblically correct. Then on the earth, the various geologic ages followed, they would say, as identified by their respective collections of fossils right out there. But then, they would say, then occurred a devastating global cataclysm, destroying all life on earth and leaving a vast fossil graveyard everywhere. See, when, it, when, when things about, you know, you can throw out the ages and, you know, throw out these big words that overpower people's minds, you know, they just go, wow, that's some, that dude's real smart. <laughs> no, he's not. Professing himself to be wise, he's a fool, right? So this, way, this situation is then said to be what is described in Genesis 1-2, right, where it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the cataclysm is thought to have occurred as a result of the rebellion of Satan and his angels, some would say, against their creator in heaven, with God then casting them out of heaven to earth. Those who advocate the gap theory agree. Some of them agree that the six days of the creation week were literal days, but they interpret them only as days of not necessarily creation for the first time, but recreation. Big difference, big difference whether you're saying this is creation or this is recreation. Big difference in thinking. With God creating again many of the kinds of animals and plants that were destroyed in the cataclysm. So, what's the purpose of the gap theory? What is their purpose in coming up with this? Well, the gap theory was developed mainly for the purpose, again, of accommodating what people call the great ages or time spans demanded by evolutionary geologists. This idea was first popularized by a Scottish theologian, right, by the name of Thomas Chalmers early in the 19th century. And then, of course, in our country, it became popular through the Schofield Bible, through the Schofield Bible, which has made, made it almost universally accepted among a lot of uh, fundamentalists. So in the Schofield notes on Genesis 1, it's, uh, here's a little bit of the notes that Schofield says about this. The first act refers to the dateless past and gives scope for all the geologic ages. You know, it's amazing. You know, they, uh, they, they just add all these ages. Just a side note, you know, I'm amazed how many people say that we don't know how long Adam was alive before, the, 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 the fall of, uh, before his fall. He could have been alive thousands of years before the fall. No, he couldn't have. His age didn't start the day he sinned. Said he lived so many years, right? Well, his age didn't say, listen, uh, uh, listen, you still aged, you know, just if man would have never fallen, right, people would still age. It's just the, they wouldn't look their age. <laughs> what? Sure, you don't look 300. Did he look 300? No, right? They just wouldn't look their age. 
why he doesn't look a day over 150. I tell you what, right? That's, don't you wish that was it, you know? Now, man, you're 150, man. Now we look 50. I know, I only look 45. But anyways, right? But that would be the only benefit. But still, he still, went, he still had years. He still had time. I believe that. I don't think he's in it. So he could, I don't think he lived thousands of years. I think he lived however long the Bible says he lived. It's just how many of those days were before the fall of those days that he did live, I think would be the question. So we can argue that over a cup of coffee if you want to later. Right. But so there are not again, let me get back to this. So the first act refers to date, the dateless past and gives scope for all geologic ages. The face of the earth bears everywhere the marks of such a catastrophe. There are not wanting intimations which connect with it a previous testing and fall of angels. And it's, next he says, relegate, relegating fossils to the primitive creation and no conflict of science. Look at this. Now, this is Schofield's notes. No conflict of science with the Genesis, cos, I guess this word is cosmogony, right? If I pronounce that, remains. Like, there's no conflict here. Well, listen, I'm not worried about if I have a conflict with them. You know, my job is not to make sure I don't have a conflict with some scientist. My job is to make sure I don't have a conflict with the Word of God and what God said. I don't, I don't, I don't have to keep up with what they said. I don't have to make sure I understand what they said. I've got to make sure I understand what God said and what the Bible says and that, I, that that's being properly put out. So, however, serious conflicts do remain. In fact, there are a few, there are few, if any, professionally trained geologists and astronomers who accept the gap theory. The promoters of this theory have been mostly been Bible teachers. Isn't that sad? Bible teachers trying to say, look, hey, listen, we can explain all this. Well, no, again, speak where God speaks, be silent where God is silent. So, with the... Uh, 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 modem, if you will, or revival of scientific biblical creationism. Of course, many of these teachers have abandoned the gap theory in favor of just strict creationism, which is good. That's what we, that's what we believe. Most advocates of the gap idea were men of strong biblical faith, but when they were finally shown right, the biblical fallacy of that theory, plus its scientific inadequacies, they were quite willing to reject evolutionary age scheme altogether, which is good. Amen. Stick with the book. So a couple of questions. Is the gap theory scientific? Is the gap theory scientific? Well, the reason why geologists now think about there. See, the reason, uh, of course, many scientists reject the gap theory. And of course, many Bible believers reject the gap theory. But the difference is the reason they reject it. <laughs> the reason we reject it is different. You say, oh, that's great. Most of the science, most of them reject it. Well, yeah, but the reason they reject it is not a good reason, <laughs> right? The reason we reject it is a good reason. So the, is the gap theory scientific? The reason why geologists will not accept the gap theory is that it contradicts their assumption that the past is continuous with the present. You see, their assumption is no, right? The world evolved, so there couldn't have been a break. Then there would have been a break in the evolution. That's why they reject it. Well, no, there couldn't have been a break in the evolution. You know, this happened and it took time periods. So those time periods could have had to keep going. There couldn't have been an interruption. That would mess up their, their theory of evolution. 
There's no room in their naturalistic approach. Notice their naturalistic approach, not their biblical approach. That's why I like, uh, side note here, Hebrews 11, where it says, By faith we know that the word of God was, that, that the worlds were created, what were formed by the word of God, and not by things which do appear. I'll think about that statement. Not by things which do appear. Now, the way I look at that, I, the way I like that is, I think if you studied it with a natural mind, it would appear that's how things happened. You know what I mean? Because, you know, God's a God of order and, you know, he put these things in and he set laws in and all that stuff. So if you just look at it from the natural eye and say, well, it appears this is what happened. But by faith, we know that's not how it happened. I don't care how it appears. We know that's not how it happened because we know the word of God. So we know how it happened by faith. So uh, uh, again, getting back to this, there in, in their mind, there, in the, there's no room in their naturalistic approach to science for a global cataclysm that would destroy all life and then require a new creation of plants, animals, and people, such as the gap theory proposes, a recreation, if you will. Any cataclysm that would leave Earth without form and void in their thinking with darkness on the face of the deep everywhere, would require a worldwide nuclear or volcanic explosion that would effectively disintegrate the whole crust of the earth. All pre-cataclysm mountains would be blown into the sea and billions of tons of rocks and dust blown in the atmosphere, leaving the earth covered with the deep everywhere and darkness covering the deep everywhere. So such a cataclysm would disintegrate any previously deposited sedimentary deposits with their fossils and thus obliterate all evidence of any previous geological age. So listen, that could have happened. It'd mess up everything we're trying to say did happen, basically is what it says. Thus the gap theory, which is supposed to accommodate the geological ages, right? That's why some theologian thought he had to come up with it to accommodate these geological ages, really destroys the fact that they're you know, of geological ages if it happened, the way they're saying here. So it would, it would destroy that evidence. So is the gap theory scientific? I say no. Is it theologically sound, which is what matters to us? Is it theologically sound? The gap theory is also unsound theologically. The God of creation is an omnipotent, omniscient God. Amen. And is also a God of what? Grace, mercy, and love. The very concept of the geological ages, on the other hand, implies a wasteful, if you think about it now, if you meditate on it, it implies a wasteful and cruel God, and they're, prob and the, and they're probably uh, no real God at all. The supposed geologic ages are identified in terms of the fossils found in the earth's sedimentary rocks. And they are multiplied billions, there are multiplied billions of them. But fossils speak of what? Right? Listen, think about this now. We're going to mention this. But if that happened, what does that speak of? That means there was death. There was death before what God talks about in Genesis. There was death, right? So uh, uh, it talks about a violent death. You'd have to believe there was a violent death in between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 for all those things to be destroyed. So the, the preservation of dead animals requires rapid burial if they are to last very long. There are many regions, for example, where there are millions of fossil fish preserved in the rock. 
There are dinosaur fossil beds on every continent, as well as great beds of fossil marine in invertebrates practically everywhere. These may indeed speak of a cataclysmic death and burial, but not a cataclysm operating slowly over billions of years, as the geological ages imply. If the gap theory was valid, it would mean that God had instituted an ages-long system, look at this, of suffering and death over the world before there were ever any man or woman to place dominion over the world and then suddenly destroyed it in a violent cataclysm. Why, think about this, why would an omnipotent God, a merciful God, do such a wasteful and cruel thing as that? Why? I mean, there's no reason to it. I mean, God's a God of reason, right? Right? Let everything be done decently in order. So they cannot blame Satan either. But according to the gap theory, Satan's fall took place at the end of the geological ages, followed by the great pre-Adamic cataclysm on the earth. Thus, the geological ages, with their eons of cruelty and waste, took place even before Satan's sin. So God himself would have been solely responsible for the whole debacle if it really happened. But, you know, people don't think about that. So uh, next question, is the gap theory biblical? If the Bible actually teaches the gap theory, however, then there might be some reason to try to accommodate it in our theology. That's if it did. But the Bible does not teach it. If there really had been billions of years of animal suffering and dying before Genesis 1-2, why would God say nothing about it? Think about how often the Noah's mentioned in the Bible. Think about how often the floods mentioned in the Bible. How could God do something that catastrophic and never really mention it again, even though some people try to put some things in there, right? But never really mention it like he does Noah and the flood. Something to think about there. You know, they'll take a few verses out of Isaiah or Jeremiah and misquote them. Why would God send such a devastating cataclysm at all? Satan's fall did not occur until after the creation week of Genesis 1. For at the time, God had pronounced the whole creation what? Very good. Genesis 1.31 says what? And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. He saw everything he made and said it was good. However, the whole creation, and what does the Bible teach us in Romans 8? That the whole creation groaneth, right? And travaileth together because of the great curse pronounced by God on man's dominion, of course, in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, after the fall. So this groaning creation is indeed experienced one global cataclysm, one not inferred from vague hints, and out-of-context quotes, but one clearly, right, uh, identified and shown in Genesis 6 through 9, the great flood, the great flood. So this awesome spectacle of destruction and death was not part of God's very good creation. There was no death in the world until sin came into the world, until sin came into the world. Uh, let me read you a couple of verses. Romans 5, 12 says this, wherefore, as by one man, look at this, sin entered into the world. So listen, right? It says right there, clearly, sin didn't enter the world until Adam. And then how? Death by sin. Well, Adam brought sin in the world. And what did sin bring in the world? It brought death. So how can you say, how can the Bible on one hand say there was no death in the world until Adam sinned, but on the other hand, teach that 
all this creation died. Doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. The Bible says, I think, Isaiah 28. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of dead. How did death come? By man. Boy, that, it's amazing how the Word of God can mess up a lot of people's theology. <laughs> sure does. So, in fact, again, death itself is what? Romans 6, 3, 3. The wages of sin is death. So our future deliverance, think about this, for somebody to teach the gap theory, our future deliverance from sin and death has been purchased, of course, by the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, of course, who is the propitiation for our sins and what for the sins of the whole world. So, but if death reigned not from Adam to Moses, as the Bible says, but had already reigned billions of years before Adam, then death is not the wages of sin, but instead was part of God's creative purpose. How then could the death of Christ put away sin? The gap theory thus undermines the very gospel of our salvation. That's why these things are so important to understand. The gap theory undermines the gospel. It undermines the gospel, right? Right there. And also the character of God. So the fact is that no such gap exists within the first two verses of Genesis at all. So uh, the, the gap theory is not scientific. It requires a very forced biblical exegesis and leads to a God-dishonoring theology. It does not work biblically. It does not work scientifically. Does not work biblically, does not work scientifically. So let me uh, just give you a couple highlights of this real quick. Again, the gap theory. The meaning, Genesis 1-1, God created a perfect and complete universe. Between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, they say Satan's rebellion marred this perfect universe. From 1-2 on, God remolds or recreates the sin-marred creation. Now, again, it was made popular by, uh, we, we mentioned one Scottish theologian, another name to remember is George H. Uh, uh, Pember in eight, from around 1876, and of course, Schofield we mentioned. So some, some considerations. Let me give you uh, some arguments for the gap theory and then some biblical arguments against it quickly. Again, arguments for, they, they, this is what they'll say. Uh, those that believe in it, they'll say this. The words without form and void always indicate judgment. So they'll say, see right there, without form and void. That's a sign that there was a judgment. That's a sign there was a judgment, right? And they'll quote Jeremiah 4.23, which doesn't make sense with what they're trying to say, but I'll read that verse to you. It says, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I can... That makes it clear, doesn't it? Did that verse make it clear for anybody? Boy, did that straighten some things up there. Okay, well, let's give some verses against this. Remember this. Words can often simply refer to lifelessness, to empty space. All right, that same word is used in Job 26, 7, which says he stretched out the north, look, over the empty place, and he hanged the earth upon nothing. Right? It says we created the heaven and earth. He hung it upon nothing. Another word they'll pull out in Genesis 1-2 is this. Look at Genesis 1-2. 
Genesis 1-2 says this, And the earth was without form and void. And they'll say, oh, that word's mistranslated. That word, instead of was, should be the word became. So they say it should say this, And the earth became without form and void. That's what they're trying to say. They say, hey, God, you know, there was the gap theory and all that stuff happened. And then after that, after that catastrophe Right. Then the world became without form of void. Well, the, let's look at uh, this here. That, that Hebrew word, hayatha, was, is almost always translated was. It's used approximately 264 times just in the Pentateuch. And of these, it is translated was all but six times. So out of the 264 times it's used, 258, it's, it's translated was. Jonah 3.3 3 says this, So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was, that same word, an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Another thing they try to use to explain it is that they say, well, there's a difference between the Hebrew words bara and asa. Well, no, but when you study it out, you see those words are used interchangeably. Let me give you an example. The words, it says there in one, God created bara, the Hebrew word, the great, you know, the great animals or whales of the sea in verse uh, Genesis 21. And then it says God made asa, right, the beast of the earth in verse 25 of Genesis 1. And then God says, let us make Asa man in our image, verse 26. And then in verse 27, it turns around and says when it says, so God created bara, uh, man, in verse 27. So you see those words are used interchangeably. Another thought they'll use, they'll say the word again indicates judgment, the word dark, Right? Well, darkness here is simply the absence of light, right? We all understand that. If we flip the lights off, what are we going to be left in? Darkness. It just means the absence of light. And it's sometimes spoken of of being good. Well, it, 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 God's not going to uh, call that, that good if it, uh, 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 if it uh, uh, unfolded like, like they say, if it was a sign of judgment. Uh, judgment's not good, maybe with <laughs> what it ends up producing, but judgment itself is not good. And then finally, the word replenish, replenish, uh, Genesis 1.28. Notice that verse. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The word replenish, they say, indicates the world was once filled. Well, that word, the Hebrew word, Male there almost always means simply to fill. He's just saying, hey, go fill the earth. Go fill the earth. That same word is used in Exodus 4.34 when, when it talks about the cloud or the Holy Spirit filling the temple. It says this in Exodus 40.34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That same word, to fill. That's uh, what, what, it, what it means there. So some, it, it, just a couple of uh, thoughts there to help you out when you see some of the, the things. How they, notice what they have to do. They have to say, well, that word doesn't really mean that. They have to twist and try and turn uh, the word of God. No, God, God he, he doesn't have to twist and turn things. 
to try and prove what he's trying to say. Just like, he, 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 just like we said uh, uh, the other night, God doesn't try to prove that he exists. He just starts off the Bible. In the beginning, God. God's not afraid to state what he's trying to say, right? He's not, he doesn't have to uh, try and, oh, well, uh, maybe if I say it this way, uh, he'll believe it. No, God just says, boom, this is the way it is. This is what I, who I am. This is what I did. This is what you need to do. And we just, it's just our job simply to believe it. So again, so we finish up the threefold problem of the gap theory. Again, one, it's unscientific. Unscientific. The gap theory was in part, again, some weak liberal Christian, if you will, a Christian attempt to reconcile the creation account with the long periods of time in the theory of evolution. Our job is not to conform to their science and conform to their uh, ways of thinking, right? Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, right? By the renewing of your mind. In other words, line up with the Word of God. But evolution itself is a theory, is totally unscientific, defying the second law of thermodynamics. So it's unscientific. Again, it's unscriptural. The gap theory would describe Adam walking atop a gigantic fossilized animal graveyard. Paul, however, in Romans 5 and then Romans 8, state that, that man's sin, again, brought death, even of animals. Uh, Romans 8, let me read you these verses, Romans 8, 20 through 22. Listen to what it says here, Romans 8, verses 20 through 22. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, right? He didn't have anything to do with it. But what man, what uh, God gave man dominion over the animal. So when man was affected, the animal and creation was affected. But by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from what? The bondage of corruption. Everything you see shows the bondage of corruption. Boy, man, boy, how, how, how nice that would have been, amen, if there wouldn't have been a fall and you could, you could pick a rose for your wife right off the bush without pricking your finger. Man, wouldn't that be a blessing? But that's all right, honey, I'll do it. I wouldn't have suffered for you, amen. I'll prick that. No, I'm going to get some scissors and cut it. All right? All right. But listen, it says there again, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Here it is, verse 22. For we know, look at this, the whole creation, right? The whole creation was affected by Adam's fall. Well, when, if there was that, uh, uh, that catastrophe before Adam was even created, well, what, what, what brought, what, what, what brought uh, uh, a travail upon that world? If sin and death didn't even show up in God's creation to Adam. But it's even because of that, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, until now, until this day. till so Jesus comes and restores everything. Next, not only is it unscientific, not only is it unscriptural, but it's unnecessary. The most natural interpretation of Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 Right And two is taking it at face value without addition or subtraction, which is how we're to take the word of God. Genesis 1.1 thus becomes a summary statement, a summary statement of creation. In the first verse, right, God tells us again. In the first verse, God tells us what he did. 
And then the verses after that simply tell us how he did it, right? God created the heaven and earth. Boom. Well, how did he do that? Well, keep reading and you'll see how he did that. So clear in the word of God. But uh, let, let me give you this, this final thought, which, again, you don't have to get into any deep theology. Just look at the word of God. Look at Genesis chapter one. See if you see if you catch this before I mention it. Just just glance down through the verses, just glance down through the verses and see if you notice something they all have in common. Just look real quickly, see if you can catch what they all have in common. Pardon me? Okay, you're saying God. All right, that's good, but get simple. And. Very good. That's right. They all start with the word and. And that's very significant. There's only two verses that don't start with and. And, and let's look at them real quick before we mention this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So it tells what he did, and, 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 and then it tells how he did it. Then I think, look at verse 27, what? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created them. See, he, said, he talks about his all creation, then how he did it. Then he, talks, then he changes the subject. He focuses on man. Then after that, what do you see? And, and, and. So you see verse 1, God created and, and, and. He changes the subject to man. And then after that, he says and, and, and. Right there. So what, what does that mean? Every word and phrase of Genesis 1-2, like Genesis 1-1, is vitally important to, sound, to a sound understanding, for a sound, a sound understanding of God's universe. And notice again, it says, and the earth was. It is significant that every verse in the first chapter of Genesis, except, of course, verse 1 and verse 27, begins with the conjunction and. Because this structure clearly means that each statement, you got to catch this, is sequentially and chronologically connected. You see, because he says verse 1, how can you separate verse uh, 1 and 2? Because they're connected by the word and. He says he did this and then, and then he did this right after that. You can't say, well, he did this. And a few billions later, years later, he did this, you know, <laughs> listen, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, if uh, if uh, if you if you ask your child, did you do that? What did you do? We'll say, well, I took out the trash and then I straightened my bed. You're thinking he did it right after. Right. Or probably he'd do it this way. Well, I made my bed and then a couple weeks later, I took out the trash. <laughs> right? That's usually how it is, right? But no, it says and. So you just see it right there. Why would the word and be right after that? Because, of, you know, he's showing you the order that it happened right after. So again, it begins with the conjunction uh, and. So this stri structure, again, clearly means each statement is sequentially and chronologically connected to the verse before and after. Each action, think about this, each action follows directly upon the action described in the preceding verse. Does that make sense? I mean, and, 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 and then this, and, and, and. This pattern must apply to the first two verses, as well as to any other pair of verses in the chapter. Thus, there seems no room for a chronological gap of any consequence between the first two verses of Genesis. The conditions described in verse 2 follows immediately upon the creative 
act of verse 1. Even if there were a significant time gap implied between these two verses, there's nothing whatever in the context in the context to justify inserting the supposed ages of geology there. So this device, as already noted, would generate overwhelming scientific and theological problems. So, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and, 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 right after that, and the first day, and the second day, and the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day. And then God created, God created man, right, in his image, male and female. And then, and, bless them. And behold, I have given you every herb, and to every beast of the field. And God saw everything, and behold, it was very good. Evening and the morning were the sixth day. And, 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 and that's all, folks, <laughs> right? I mean, it gets right there. It's right there. So let's, let's remember that, that, just a good, simple rule. Where God speaks, that's a good place to speak. Where God is silent, that's a good place uh, to be silent. And he's certainly uh, silent in between those verses. And uh, you can see it for yourself. It's right there. Amen.